Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. You guys ready for the word today? And I'm glad you're here. It got a little yelly up in your first service, so I'm just reminding myself I'm very, very calm. We are in the middle of a series called You Asked For It. The last several weeks, we've kind of been uh, just taking questions. We Usually what I would do is the top topics that get picked, whether it's stress or marriage or finances, preach on those. This year, I'm going a little bit rogue because there's been some really great questions that are asked. Like, for example, uh, they looked at a card, and the question was, what time is it? And I said, it's 4.30. And they said, is that early? And I'm like, no, 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 okay. Anybody spend Dr. Fan? Nope, okay. There's one cool person in the room. Um, I am going a little bit rogue. So last week we started uh, a two-part session on just spiritual warfare. And had several write-ins like, hey, we need to talk about spiritual warfare and just the church and, and where we are and, and what's going on in America and so on and so forth. And so today, if you weren't here last week, I really encourage you to jump on YouTube or you can go download our podcast. And, and if you weren't here last week, it's okay. Today you can still just kind of jump in and track with us a little bit. But it's, there's really two parts to this message. It's really, really important because last week we built the foundation that we will continue to grow on and, and build on today. I grew up in church. I remember being a youth pastor one time and I said that, like, I was born in the church nursery and a little girl in the front row goes, it grows. Like, no, no, I mean, like from the time I was two weeks old, my parents had me in church. I was born in a town called Antlers, Oklahoma. Uh, my name used to be on the water tower, so the sheriff called me and told me I had to go paint over it, so I got that all taken care of. And Souls Harbor Church was, it was, it was a charismatic church, kind of a non-denominational type thing, although it was a part of a little fellowship called the Independent Assemblies. And they had broken away from the Assemblies of God. And so, man, when I was a kid, you didn't have church unless two and a half hours, and you did everything you knew how to do. And it was, it got a little wild. It got a little bit crazy up in there. And I remember being a kid looking over and, and Sister Johnson one time, and she had something, something here about, and she's not, not like, what in the world? And she was, she was kicking the devil out of church. It, it was awesome, you know what I'm saying? And like, we stomped on the devil up in church. Anybody go to that church? You know what I'm saying? And you kid, yeah, we don't stomp on the devil. So, it's unique, it's unusual, you know. And then there's other churches that look at that and go, I don't know what y'all doing, but we ain't doing that. And so they don't even talk about spiritual warfare. So I'm grateful in that that I grew up in in a church that, that talked about the devil, talked about spiritual warfare, and so on and so forth. Now, sometimes that got to an extreme, like there was a demon under every rock. I got a headache today. It's the devil. He's attacking me. And it's like, no, maybe you got high blood pressure. I don't know what's going on. You know. For some of you that maybe didn't grow up in church, or maybe you're new to Christianity, or you grew up in a church that like didn't talk about all that, I know this can be a little bit weird. The reality is, there are demons and angels. There's good guys and bad guys. Team Jesus is, is the good team. There is a spiritual realm that we can't see. And again, last week I went into all of that. And so if you, if you didn't catch that, go catch the podcast and just kind of listen and catch up to where we are. I'm going to start today in Ephesians chapter 6. But I'm going to tell you, I got a lot of Bible verses. Some we're going to put on the screen. Some will say, hey, you might just want to write this reference down because like, I don't have any more funny stories, and I don't even know if that one was funny. I, like, I'm going to get real teachy today, because I feel like the church, we are ill-equipped to fight a spiritual war that is going on, and so just as I've prayed through this, I feel like, well, just teach. Just go line by line by line. We're going to spend most of our time in Ephesians chapter 6 putting on the full armor of God. 
And I love the book of Ephesians because it's very practical. It's practical in, in how to be married. It's practical in how to be an employee or how to have employees. Or, and, and, and after he does all this practical teaching in the book of Ephesians, he says this in Ephesians chapter 6. He's, he's landing the plane. He's wrapping it up. He says, a final word, a final thought. After telling you how to be married, how to have kids, and how to do all this, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Okay? Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up to verse 12, and I'm going to put it in a different translation. I'm going to put it in an older translation. For maybe some of you that grew up in churches that stomped on the devil, this, this might ring to you, but I want you to pay attention to a couple of words. All right? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And, and by the way, they retranslated the King James Bible. Like it uses King James, but a little easier to read. And so this is what they call King James 21, right? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness in this world, and against spiritual weakness, wickedness in high places. Again, this isn't a spiritual dimensional. We can't see with our physical eyes. This takes place in the spiritual realm, okay? And he says against principalities and against powers and rulers of dark places, all right? Now, I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 1. You don't turn them, put it on the screen. Ephesians chapter 1, as he's beginning this letter on practical living, hey, I'm going to end here with the spiritual battle, but let me begin with the spiritual battle as well. He says in Ephesians 1.19, the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms, now he is far above any ruler or power or principality. The power of the Holy Spirit that brought Jesus back to life and seated him in heavenly places, that has overcome any dark ruler, any principality, any power, not only in this world, but in the world to come. So Jesus is seated and placed above every power, every demon, every devil, every principality. Jesus has already won that game. Amen? Colossians chapter 2. You don't have to go there. Just put it on the screen. In this way, Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and the spiritual authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. They thought the day they nailed Jesus to the cross and he died and he laid in that cold, empty tomb, Satan and his monkeys and dominions, they were high-fiving each other. They thought that they had won the war. Ha-ha! <laughs> Joke's on you. Jesus resurrected and he publicly humiliated them when he rose back to life. So Team Jesus has the upper hand. And it's important that we educate, we prepare ourselves, we prepare the next generation about a spiritual unseen battle that goes on whether you want to believe it's there or not. Ephesians chapter 6, back there. I know it's kind of chased them around. I told y'all, there's going to be a lot of verses today. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the times of evil. We live in perilous times. Did you see Kansas yesterday? I don't even know, like, what's going on here, you know? Whatever. You don't want to laugh, it's your fault then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. And he says, put on the belt of truth. And I don't want to rehash last Sunday's sermon because I talked a lot about 
fighting the spiritual battles, you better be grounded in truth. And in today's society, in today's culture, the enemy is trying to get people to just make truth a great, if that's true for you, fine, but it's not true for me. And, and that's just not, like heaven and hell are real, regardless of whether you want to believe them or not. The devil is real, whether you want to believe it or not. And so to fight the spiritual battles, you've got to put on the belt of truth. And then he says, and the body armor of God's righteousness. The enemy's first attack, his first tactic, his weapon is to create confusion. He did it to Adam and Eve in the garden. God really say you can't eat fruit from the trees? I mean, he's taking a half truth and he's spinning it. And Paul goes into, listen, if you're going to put on the full armor of God, you have got to start with grounding your life on the truth of God's word. And I'm going to quickly go line by line by line through the full armor and how that kind of applies to us and, and what that means. But before I do that, I'm going to tell you two things. Two things you have to know about spiritual warfare. The first one is, it is real. This is not some man-made good versus evil plot that might sell Bibles. This is not some movie that somebody created or whatever. It is real. There is a God seated on the throne. Jesus at his right hand, his Holy Spirit is here, how we relate with him. And there is an enemy. There is a devil. He's the enemy of your soul. The Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to take you, O-U-T, out. It's real. Here's the sad part. 50% of Christians think the devil is not literal. They think he's just kind of made up. He just, he's just kind of mythological part of the story. I don't want to go into everything I preached on last week, but Satanism and witchcraft, they have four big feasts. One of them is in this season, in this time of the year, which consequently, the church, the good guys, they see more people get saved in this time of year. But Satanists and all that, and, so, and, and this, this time of year is kind of the big feast for them. And they're fasting and they're praying and they're fasting and praying that your marriage would fail. They're fasting and praying your children become addicted. They're fasting and praying that good political leaders would fail or pastors would fall. And, and when a pastor falls, just the devastation it does to a church. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. Your neighbor's not the enemy. Your neighbor's dog is not the enemy. Your spouse is not the enemy. Your coworker is not the enemy. We're fighting an unseen battle in heavenly places that our physical eyes cannot see. So, number one, it's real. Number two, it is not optional. Like, you can't opt out of this part of Christianity. Oh, this is just too weird, preacher. We're just not going to believe in all that. We're just going to skip over that part of the Bible. All you are doing is making yourself easy prey for the enemy. This is, not, this is not optional. My goal today is to help us keep from being easy prey for the devil. Okay? This is going to feel a little bit teachy. I mean, I just feel like the Holy Spirit said, let's just, let's, let's just teach the Word of God. Let the Spirit and the Holy Spirit and the anointing just kind of take care of the business. Amen, everybody? This is God's battle plan for spiritual warfare for you and I. So Ephesians 6, we're walking, we put on the belt of truth. And then it says, verse 14, put on the body armor of God's righteousness. Last week I talked about truth. And then I want to pick up here at the, the older translation, say the breastplate of righteousness. It's a church word, righteousness. I don't really know what it means. I'm just supposed to say, amen. I don't know. You know, 
That's righteousness of God. Amen. I don't know what you're talking about. Amen. Yeah. So I, I remember growing up in church and, and pastors using big words that I really don't know. And so maybe you don't know what righteousness is. It just sounds spiritual. Let me, let me translate it to you. It has two primary meanings, okay? Let me, let, me, let me give those to you. The first one can be right standing. I have the righteousness. I have the right standing, meaning I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners before God. And when Christ shed his blood on the cross, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. But when he shed his blood, when God looks down at me, he doesn't see my high school failures. He doesn't see the 20s. He doesn't see what I did last Thursday. He sees the blood of Christ, and the blood of Christ puts me in right standing with God. I am made righteous because of the work of Christ on the cross. If that makes sense, say amen. The other meaning, when you read righteousness, can be right living. We're called to live righteously. We're called to moral living. And live according to God's standard. I haven't been able to. We're all sinners. I don't want to, but I'm going to fail again. Not, not because I'm giving in. Well, I'm, I'm just going to be my own sinner and live it up all I got. That, that's not what I'm after. I know humanity. I know me. And I'm thankful for Christ's blood that gives me righteousness, gives me right standing. But I am also going to pursue righteousness and right living with my life and live to the best of my ability according to God's ways. So I'm going to put on the body armor of Christ's blood, and I'm going to put on the body armor of right living and live to God's standard. Okay? If you and I just try to fight spiritual warfare by just not sinning anymore, like I'm just, I'm just going to, you know, not send my way into spiritual warfare and stomp on the devil. Listen, the first time that you do stumble, about 3.30 this afternoon when your kids wake up from your nap, you know, then the enemy's just going to tell you, I knew you couldn't do it, you beat up. But pursuing holy living, a moral standard, God's ways work every time. Listen, that empowers my walk. It helps me to grow and become more like Christ. Let me show you a cross-reference, a different author, Second Peter, chapter 1. Okay, this is, this is Peter talking about righteousness and right living in view of all this make every effort to respond to god's promises then supplement your faith so stop theology for just a second i am saved through christ's grace he died on the cross he shed his blood i confess my sins i ask him to make me my savior i can't earn it i didn't do anything i am saved because i place my faith in christ and his grace has saved me that's the gospel then he says now supplement to that now that you're saved, and you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, now add to that. This is not for salvation. This is for preparing yourself so the devil won't kick your teeth in. Very calm. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Righteousness. Right living. That's the first domino. And then he says, okay, so on top of right living, on top of moral excellence, then add knowledge. Like, get in the Bible. Learn about God. Get around other Christians. Just commit yourself to learning and knowing much about God and what he has for your life. And then on top of growing in knowledge, then grow in self-control. Quiet in this Baptist church. Right? And then on top of self-control, with patient endurance. I won't even meddle there. And with patient endurance, with godliness. And with godliness, then brotherly affection 
and with brotherly affection, with love for everyone. The more you do this, the more you grow like this, the more productive and the more useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the first domino. Right living, a moral standard, is the first domino in this stream of faith that helps me to grow spiritually. So I'm going to put on the body armor of righteousness that was given to us by Christ on the cross, but also God calls us to live to a godly biblical standard. Okay? We'll come back to this in just a moment. Verse 15. Or shoes. Put on the peace that comes from the good news. It's capitalized. Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Good news. When you hear the gospel, it's not a, I mean, it is a type of music, but that's not, gospel means good news. Gospel means, here's, here's the news. I'm a sinner. And unless something got involved, I should spend my eternity in hell. But the good news is that while I was dead in my sin, Christ came and he walked as a man, but he was yet fully God and he died and he gave his life for me. And three days later, he resurrected from a tomb. And when he did that, he overcame the power of sin, death, and hell. That's good news. That if I'll accept his salvation, I don't have to spend my eternity burning in flames in hell. Because I was a sinner. I separated myself from God. But there's good news. I can be made righteous. I can be made right with God. And that's what mobilizes the whole church. It's the gospel. And that should fire us up. So a Jewish historian by the name of Josephus, he said that the reason that Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar, the reason they had such successful armies was they had shoes. See, a lot of times they would go in and they would conquer these little tribes that were living in animal hides. They didn't have shoes. But the, the wealthier or, or more developed militaries, they had shoes. A lot of times they had good shoes. So they could march longer distances. They could march over difficult terrain. The gospel, the good news, is what mobilizes the church. And so many times when we read that, we focus on the word peace. And we focus on the word good news or the gospel or we focus on the shoes. But it might, if you're reading in your Bible, you might want to circle the word prepared. That's what stands out to me is the good news so that I will be ready to fight spiritual war. I will be flexible when it comes time. That I want to be prepared. I'm going to land the plane and bring it all home. Just hang in there with me. Look at your neighbor and see if they're still awake. All right. Verse 16. In addition to all these things, so in addition to the belt, Breastplate of righteousness, shoes of the gospel. Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Two big concepts here. I've got the shield of faith, but he also talks about the fiery arrows or the fiery darts of the enemy. Now, the fiery arrows were sent with two purposes. Number one, they tried to injure the soldier. If I could shoot an arrow up and it injure the soldier, that's one less I have to deal with. He's out there on the battlefield. But the second strategy of the fiery darts was they came from everywhere, they were overwhelming in number, and it created confusion and panic. Now the rich armies marched with shields, especially in the, in the later years, that were made of metal. But the poorer tribes and poorer armies, most of their shields were wooden. So if fiery darts are coming at me and I hold up a wooden shield, it protects me, but that wood is going to catch on fire from that fiery 
dart. And so here was the thought that that soldier that now has a shield on his arm that's on fire, he's going to fling it, completely leaving himself exposed. Exactly what the enemy wants to do with fiery darts. He wants to catch your faith on fire so you will fling it, leaving yourself completely exposed. What are fiery darts? They're thoughts. They're feelings. They're emotions. They're imaginations. They're fears. They're lies. Listen, if you're a person, I love you, but if you're a person that lets your emotions dominate your life, you're just easy prey for the enemy. And God wants to give you a armor that, like, no, no, I'm not every little thought, every little deception, every little imagination the fiery enemy throws at me. I'm not going to let that hijack my growth. I'm not going to let it hijack my day, my mood, my emotions. I'm not going to be easy prey for the enemy. These fiery darts are an attempt to create doubt and confusion to get you to fling your faith. The problem is faith is the counter to those fiery darts of the enemy. And he's going to throw you lies and imagination and deceptions like this. Well, I'm just not enough. I guess I'll just never be enough. I'm probably going to be broke just like the rest of my family. I'm always going to be broke. I guess depressed is just the only way I know how to live. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just always going to be this way. Listen, faith in God and faith that God is in you fighting for you is how you defend yourself against those lies from the enemy. Listen, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Faith that Jesus on the cross overcame every power, every principality, every dominion. It might be dark tonight, but baby, tomorrow morning, the joy of the Lord is going to show up in this house. Amen, everybody? I'll track it. Wet rag got going here, Pastor Mel. All right, verse 17. He says, put on salvation as your helmet. We put the belt of truth on. We put the breastplate of righteousness on. We got the shield of faith. Put on salvation as your helmet. The helmet protects the head. The head is where the mind is encased, right? Salvation protects from discouragement. Regardless of how all this plays out. Whether the chemo works or the chemo doesn't. What the doctor tells me, what the surgery fixes, regardless of how all this works out, I know that I'm a child of God and to live is Christ and to die is gain. And here's, again, the enemy's always lying. He's always deceiving. The enemy is constantly trying to convince people you're not really saved. I mean, maybe you were, but you did that thing. And God got mad at you and he, he erased your name. The enemy is always trying to convince people so he can keep you distracted. If I just keep, if I never get past my salvation, if I never get that settled, I can never really become effective for the kingdom. So the enemy constantly wants you to keep doubting, did God really love you? Did God really save you? Am I saved or not? And Paul is saying, listen, this is one of the biggest weapons that the enemy uses to keep you stuck as a baby, immature infant Christian, and what you need to do is wrap salvation around your mind and stay focused on the mission and the destiny and the purpose that God has called you. Amen? So Ephesians 6, 17 says, take the word of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God, it's your only weapon. There ain't no AK-47 up in this full armor of God. You know what I'm saying? There ain't no grenades. You have one weapon, and it's the word of God. Let me tell you why this works. When Jesus had been sent into ministry, before he did that, he spent 40 days in the wilderness. 
and he was fasting and praying. At the end of that 40 days, he was weak and he was tired. And the enemy come telling half-truths and tried to create deception and tried to create confusion. And every time he tempted Jesus, Jesus got out his sword and he said, my friend, he ain't his friend, it is written. And then he quoted the word of God as his weapon. The same thing goes for you and I. The word of God is our only weapon. Hebrews 4, for the word of God is alive and it's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. If you are going to stand a chance, you have got to stand on what God's word says about you and in your life. You got to know the word. You got to get the word in you. You got to find a promise in God's word to stand on whenever you're going through something. You broke? Stand on my God. Just supply all my needs according to his riches and glory for those in Christ Jesus. You sick, you need to stand on. He was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. And by his stripes, we are healed. You tired, you won't quit, you won't give up. Stand on Galatians 6, 9. It says, never get tired of doing what's good, for at the right time, you will reap a bountiful harvest. You've got to stand on the word of God. It is your only weapon you have in this battle. The spiritual warfare is real. Spiritual warfare is not optional. And I wanted to just try to explain to you what each, what, what this helmet of salvation, what, what the shoes of the gospel, what, what that has to do with you. Because I don't want you, I don't want me, I don't want my kids, I don't want the next generation to be easy prey to the enemy. This is spiritual boot camp one-on-one. I want you to be fully equipped, fully armed, fully aware that there is an enemy of your soul out to destroy you, keep you distracted, keep you tangled up in temptation and sin, because if you're too busy doing that, you can't be effective for the kingdom. And I know, sounding like that grumpy, get off my lawn kind of guy, right? But the church today is not prepared for spiritual warfare. It's not. And far too many Christians are easy prey. If 50% of Christians don't believe the devil is weird, Real, that's a problem. And I get it. I got it. It's weird. We're kicking the devil out of church. We stop it on it. I, I get, I get that, that that might have been just a little bit weird. I understand that. And because that was weird, we're not even going to talk about it. So now you have a generation that is powerless to fight spiritual warfare. And it's real. And it's not optional. I'm going to give you three things to help you. They all start with the letter M. Today's brought to you by the number three and the letter M, right? I want you ready. That's why our marriage is in trouble. We don't know that there's spiritual war and we don't know how to fight it. It's why there is a generation that is completely confused about sexuality and gender identity. Hey, devil, take notice today. You're not getting our kids. Come on, somebody. Amen? All right, the first one, the first M to prepare you for battle is moral. We talked about this. Put on the body armor of righteousness. 2 Peter 1 talked about pursue moral excellence, and that leads into, and then that leads into, you do that, then you're just going to grow in Christ. I am not going to give the enemy any pathways into my life. I'm not going to give him any room into my life. I'm going to pursue God's moral standards for my life. It ain't fun, but it's a foundation. Ephesians chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, not even going to put it on the screen, just want to write this down, Ephesians 4.27. He talks about, listen, you can be angry and don't sin in your anger. And he goes on to say, don't give the devil a foothold in your life. 
There are things and temptations we give into and sin and things that we give into. When we do that, it allows the enemy a foothold, a doorway into our life. That's why I am going to pursue a righteous standard of moral excellence in my life. I'm going to do my best to follow God's way and God's word for my life. Amen, everybody? When you do what Scripture tells you to do, it builds your faith. You equip yourself. And you are closing gateways that the enemy has access into your life. You are closing those inroads. God's way works every time. Live your life to please God by following his word. Amen? Number two, manage. And I put next to that in parenthesis, self-discipline. Throughout scripture, self-discipline is a part of your spiritual growth. I read it just a minute ago in 2 Peter 1.15 where he talked about Self-discipline. It's one of our ingredients to be growing in our faith and becoming more like Christ. Yes, I am made righteous. I'm made right standing because of the blood of Christ. But if I don't ever change my behavior, then I'm just going to stay beat up, crippled, and the devil's going to have a heyday with me. So I have got to let the Holy Spirit empower me and help me, and I've got to say no to some stuff in my life. Amen? It's one of the reasons why fasting is a spiritual discipline. I am training my spiritual person to say no to some things that I really, really want in my life, like chocolate cake and tacos. 11.57, we're almost done. Lunch is coming. Proverbs 25, 28, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. If I don't have any self-control in my life, if I'm not growing and managing my life, right, I, I'm left defenseless. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, timidity, but of power, love, and God wants to help us in our self-discipline. I've got to be disciplined enough to get up and read my Bible. I've got to be disciplined to have a prayer strategy for my life. I've got to be disciplined in my worship. We're going to be a worship-first family. I've got to be disciplined in what I say and what I don't gossip about and what I don't go negative on. I've got to be disciplined in my behavior. I've got to be disciplined in my emotions. Living a managed or a self-disciplined life, it prevents me from being easy prey to the devil. Moral, managed, and on mission. We are all on a mission. The question is, whose mission? Are you on God's mission that he has for your life, or are you on your own mission to live for yourself, your life, your pleasures? Read the Bible from that perspective. What happens when I'm on a mission for myself? It doesn't ever turn out very good. We're all on a mission. Is it an intentional mission? You're doing something. Is it helping your spiritual growth, or is it hurting your spiritual growth? And when you are laser-focused on what God has for you, you don't, you don't get distracted. You don't get bogged down in somebody else's gossip. Somebody else, oh, that's, they want to do that, that's fine. I, man, I'm, I'm on mission. I'm trying to just live right with the Lord. I'm trying to get his anointing increase in my life. I'm not going to let sin tie me up. I've got too much at stake when you're living on mission. It's when I'm not living on mission, when I'm, I'm not living with purpose, then I'm easy target for spiritual warfare. It's easy to not be disciplined when there's no purpose in your life. Proverbs 16, 26, hunger is good. It makes you get to work. Verse 27, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Idle lips are his mouthpiece. 
Listen, if you don't have a mission that's God-given, God-purpose, and God-destined, that's driving who you are and what you do, and you're just sitting around twiddling your thumbs, right here, right here, idle hands. I mean, I'm a heyday for this. Idle lips. They're his mouthpiece. Being on mission will cause the enemy to try to derail you, but being on mission also is one of the things that keeps you focused and keeps you alert and keeps your defenses up. And let's live on mission. I got a couple more verses, and I'll go put these on the screen. I want to just read these over you. You can write these down in later study. I'm ready for there to be a generation that will rise up and recognize, call evil evil, call good good, and realize that there is a war going on in the unseen realm, and we, the church, are going to stand up and put on the full armor of God. Are you ready for that? So Hebrews 6, 18. After Paul talks about the full armor, he's in the belt, breastplate, shoes, shield, the helmet, sword. Then he says this. He says, pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. There's a lot going on here. I don't want to jump too much into prayer because in just a handful of weeks, we're going to jump into prayer. But I want you to understand this. The key. Christ has already won victory, but the key for you and I to live in and tap into and be able to claim authority over that victory is prayer. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus says, I give unto you authority. Like on the cross, Jesus got the authority. And he says, now you're my followers, you're my people. Now I give you authority to tread over all the power of the enemy all the principalities of the dark world, nothing shall hurt you. Matthew 18, he says, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth, God's listening, he's going to bind up in heaven. And whatever you set free on earth, God's up in heaven. And he's listening. Whatever I bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever I loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Let's just step into the authority that Christ has given us. I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit unique. We're going to end service just a little bit different. Trust me. I'm not fixing to stomp on the Well, we might stomp on the devil. I'm just going to ask all across this room, just would you stand with me? This is not time to go to the bathroom. It's not time to take an early exit. It's not time to leave. It's time that we as the church do some spiritual warfare. And we're just going to have a moment of prayer. And I want to pray over you. And I want to confess some things over you. Confess over this church and confess over this community. And spirit of the living God falls fresh upon us today. God, it's maybe our own doing. Maybe we haven't gone there. Maybe we thought it was weird and the church hasn't trained for spiritual warfare the way we haven't, where we should have. But today, God, we step into the authority that Christ gave to us that he earned on the cross. And because of the blood of Christ, we are made right in God's sight. It means we're on your team. And God, you're fighting for us, and you're in us, and you're with us. And today, God, we step into the authority that Christ has given us over our marriages, over our children, over the next generation. Satan, you may not have the next generation in the bold, beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Pray over our marriages that the enemy's trying to bring deception. Satanists and witchcraft are praying that Christian marriages would fail and children become addicted. And we stand in this moment in the anointing 
and the power and the beauty of the church gathered, we come against that. We stand on the truth that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I am more than a conqueror for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we plant our lives on the truth. And the Bible says, whatever is bound in heaven, enemy, I bind up any attempt that you have to, to target emotions, to target depression, to target our marriage, to target our children. We bind that up. And Father, for those that are here today that might be in bondage, they need breakthrough. Your word says whatever is loose on earth, you'll loose in heaven. So Father, right now, we release people from decades and years of pain and hurt and resentment. They're going to step into a new freedom today. No longer is that going to be an easy target for the enemy to attack them. God, you're going to be healing in this moment. Father, we loose bondage. We loose hearts that are wounded. Father, we want to be a church that's equipped and ready and prepared. Devil, the Bible says that every knee shall bow. That means you're going to bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We are more than conquerors for those who are in Christ Jesus. Father, we pray for our community right now. That the enemy would love to do nothing more than derail this community. Father, we come against that spirit. Lord, let there be a freedom in this town. Let there be a, just a spiritual growth. Father, may revival come and it doesn't matter what church. Lord, we stand. As your word told us to, we stand. Never head bowed, never eyes still closed. You're here in this moment. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to walk the aisle. But if you know that you are not in right relationship with Jesus Christ, I don't want you to walk out those doors without doing business with God. And here's the gospel, plain, pure, and simple, that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And while we were dead in our sin, Christ died on the cross. And the Bible is clear that if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you will be saved. Have you done that? If you need to do that right now in this moment, I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer. You don't have to walk the aisle. You don't have to talk to anybody. I'm just going to pray this prayer with you. Are you ready? If you need that today, just pray this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, right there where you're standing, just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today because I need you in my life. I don't want that old life anymore. Would you come into my heart, begin to change me, make me a new person? I may not understand all of this, but I'm taking a step of faith. And today, Jesus, I completely surrender my life Every head's still bowed, every eye's still closed, nobody's looking around. But if you're here today and you prayed that prayer, I want to pray for you before I let you go. Would you slip up your hand real high? Is there anybody here today, you prayed that prayer? Come on, lift them high. All right, I see that. Anybody else? And lady, it's the best decision you'll ever make. Anybody else? Lift them high. God, you see the hands and the hearts in here today. Lord, some coming home. Lord, some maybe for the first time making Jesus their Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, I pray you fill them. I pray you invade their life. God, bring Christians around them. Lord, this is... It's so beautiful, the picture of the gospel. But the enemy wants to do nothing but to kill, steal, and destroy the faith that was born in this moment. God, I pray you bring some prayer warriors around them. Lord, I pray you bring the church and lock them in and help us protect them. Lord, I love being a part of church. We do everything short of sin to see somebody come to know God, find freedom. Lord, discover that mission you've called us to together, making a difference for eternity. Come on, Hill Spring. Give God the biggest praise you got. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, 
If this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.